Hello, and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael, and we're here today for another episode of the faculty meetings. This is episode 163. We don't have a cool name, so we'll just call it the giveaway episode. The giveaway. Giveaway. Everybody, I have found like, as being like an old man now on Twitch, like the people on Twitch love giveaways. And there are integrated tools on Twitch to do giveaways, but we just don't care. Or I'm dumb. You may not care. I'm just too dumb to figure out that kind of stuff. I'm, a, I'm an old at this point. Yeah, I'm getting there. So Brodebush is with us. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know that is. They're coming to a catacon. I've been chatting with them a lot on Facebook Messenger. I believe the whole family is coming in costume on Saturday, if I have the right person. Whoa, I'm working on a costume right now. All right, it's for Halloween right now, and I am undecided if I'm going to bring it to a catacon. So mm. you may, I, I used to do some serious cosplay. Okay. Um, and I haven't done it in a few years, but my daughter wanted to be squirrel girl for Halloween. Nice. nice. And I'm like, well, well, who kind of interacts with squirrel girl in the comics? I'm not going to be like a, I'm not going to be like a young Avenger or any of those people. So I was like, Hawkeye does some stuff. So I'm doing my own rendition on Hawkeye and I'm doing like EVA foam armor and the whole nine yards. Nice. So we'll see how it turns out. So, so I actually, and again, I know we're, the whole streaming thing has really got us off our game, but I think in a good way, I think the natural conversation yeah. is what draws people to us. But, so I've been reaching out to the DCC, trying to get some information about their cosplay rules. They okay. finally replied, and this is one of my biggest frustrations in the world. I sent someone an email that has like three questions. They replied to one of the questions. It's like, so I guess I have to reply back with the other questions you didn't answer. So they did cover that any foam or any, any weapons like yep. guns have to be either nerf or they have to have like the red tip. Yeah. But then I'm like, what about web like swords? Like are wooden swords okay? Or is wooden swords not okay? Do they have to be foam or plastic? So I'm still waiting to get the official word on that. <laughs> uh, because again, they just didn't respond to that part of the email I sent, but I'm hoping that it's, wooden's fine because i know a lot of people use those but i just don't know yet i'm pretty sure somebody was may have been selling knives at they one. were <laughs> like that was like we're not allowed to do that and apparently no one cared or no one checked <laughs> it's, no one it's but, it's one of those things at like a gaming conventions nerd conventions somebody is always selling some small ninja stuff <laughs> they just are like it's just yeah. like foam swords and stuff is fine but yeah someone was actually I, I didn't find i literally didn't find out until after it was over someone's like you know they were selling knives right yeah no i did not know uh, but anyway so we're let's here get to, into it let's get into it so we're here today for a faculty meeting um, if you're new here, basically the faculty meetings are the conversations where Tom and I just talk about stuff in the RPG world, things that are going on in our games, just in the news, uh, maybe something's happened recently. And the idea is that somewhere in this conversation, there'll be some little nugget of wisdom, something you can pull out, apply at the tables at your games and make your games more fun. But we know that the opinions we share and the advice we give may not work at every table every time, but there is one piece of advice that we think is pretty universal. And Tom, what is that one piece of advice? If you're having fun, you're doing it right. That is correct, sir. So no matter which game you're playing, the system or edition, what rules you use, don't use, or misuse, as long as you and everyone at your table is having a good time, you're doing it right. So with that, I oh I missed I I screwed this up a lot. Uh, it was I can't remember. What, I was like a streamer doing recently. I think I, I talked about this on our Discord because uh, our saying is, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Yes, I said when you're having fun, you're doing it right. Mm. And it sounded like the most bootleg thing <laughs> ever. Like after I said it, I was like, something's wrong. Like, why did that? It didn't just, it didn't sound right. I felt kind of weird. 
and that's like, why. Like when you get those like DC superheroes, but it's clearly like a different character painted as Superman or it has yeah. like, yeah, it's just off, off brand RPG Academy. Okay. Uh, but we always like to take a quick moment and recognize our patrons. So, th- you know, like every other podcast in the world, you can support us on Patreon if you're interested. We, we want you to leave us a review, tell your friends about it, listen, follow, subscribe, all that kind of good stuff. But if you're interested in actually throwing us a couple bucks, you can. Uh, our patron for this week is Justin Coster. Justin's actually a returning patron. He was with us for a long time, had some issues in his life. He had to step away, wasn't able to afford it, totally get it. He came back and now he's back at a higher level than even before. So very excited to have Justin back in the quote unquote family. Uh, and, you know, $1, $1,000, I will say it doesn't matter, but if someone gave us $1,000 a month, that would matter. Uh, but we just appreciate <laughs> all of our uh, listeners and followers and subscribers. It, you know, it just means a lot and helps us out keeping to do what we're doing going on 10 years, 11. I've, I've lost track how long we've been doing this. Yeah. Easy so. to do, right? All right, so that out of the way, uh, let's talk quickly about Action 12 Cinema. No new updates. Uh, We're very, very close in finalizing the draft. Should have it from Tracy, you know, hours, days, weeks, probably. I'm not going to be able to do anything with it right now anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, But post a catacon, that's going to be basically my focus. And I think right now I'm pretty well... I, I have decided whether it's smart or not, because that's all my decisions, that I'm going to take it to Kickstarter probably next March. I think that's when I'm going to do it, right around the time yeah. that we usually do our faculty retreat. Probably we'll try to coordinate that in some way. So hopefully a version of Action 12 Cinema will be in the world in some way within like six months. Okay, sounds good. All right, so I think the we have the Catacon stuff is in full form. And I feel like, We've talked about like the last six faculty meetings. We've talked about a catacomb. Yep. But um, we've maybe got some more details. It's in three weeks. So, yep. uh, yeah. So, people, Kickstarter is obviously over, but you can still, if you haven't got a badge yet and yes. you're listening to this on the podcast or right now, you can go to tabletop.events and look for a catacomb. You can just Google a catacomb or go to a catacomb.com and the relevant links will be there. Yep. Buy your badge because tomorrow, tomorrow right yes tomorrow so october 15th yep is the start of registration yep 3 p.m eastern time for events and even if you don't get in if you're listening to this later on there are a ton of just awesome there are so many there's there's there are so many good events that i try to run extra stuff at a catacon and then um it's really hard, man. There is, um, I really want to pack my Saturday in, but I know I'm not going to because I'm running a game in the morning and then one at night. And one of one of my Troy, who streams with us, is running Paranoia Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Technically, that is a free time for me. Like I could sign up for this and play in this game, but I know if I do, I'm going to be slammed. But Troy is also the best Paranoia like game master ever. Full stop. Like he is, he has so many cool tricks that I want to share right now, but I know I'm not going to, in case anybody, it's just, it's amazing. But anyway, lots of good games. So many, so many, so many good games. We just got our Pathfinder org play stuff. We had like 25 events get jumped in like an hour. Pathfinder is not my particular flavor of game, but I know a lot of people love it. If you do, 
you've got plenty from Pathfinder, Starfinder, as well as the card game. Uh, we only have a handful of D&D org events, but we have also have a few other just non-org D&D type things. we got a Spelljammer and Space game. Um, my brain is leaving right now, but I think we have four or five different D&D games. But by far, as usual, the vast majority of our games are not D&D or Pathfinder. And I'm proud of that. Like, and I love D&D. It's still my favorite game. I talk about it all the time. Play all kinds of games, but D&D is still my favorite. I'll, I'll always come back to it. But I am so ecstatic that so many of our games are not those games. We're giving people a chance to to branch out and try new games and explore new things. And I just, I'm very, very happy about that. And I I literally could not be more happy with our event listing. I know I've said all the time on Twitter, but it's true. We are jam-packed with events. We don't have near enough players to fill all the seats for the games we already have. We just, we need more people to come play games because there are so many events here that I just want people to play them, have fun. Well, that's news to me that we have the Pathfinder group in um, because I will share that. So please do because I will. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, lots of prizes. I mean, our, and again, I'll say very quickly through all the catacomb stuff, our, our support from sponsors this year is, has been more than any year ever. We have more prizes than we've ever had. We are supposed to have more play to win games than we've ever had, though there's some logistical issues with getting those in. But as far as what I've been promised, this is by far our most successful year in terms of sponsors and donations. And it's just, it is absolutely going to be an amazing weekend. I just want, I literally just want more people to come share. Uh, last count, we are at 257 badges in the system. That does count us faculty and staff. That also counts our demo tables and our vendors, but only one per each of those. So we probably already getting close to 300 people, but 300 players is kind of what I'm, when I say we want 300 people, that's kind of what I'm looking for. So roughly 50 to 60 more people showing up would get us exactly where I expected to be. We would hit our profit margins. We'd actually be able to make some money this year, roll that into next year. You know, right now we're in a good place. If Even if no one else shows up, it's not a disaster. But 50, 60 more people would put us in a very good place. I, this is good omens for us because past two years, um, well, I guess last year was the first year after COVID, right? Yes, we skipped. But even in 2019, I feel like at this time you were freaking out. Oh, I'm sure it was. Be, you don't seem to be freaking out too much. I'm I'm in a I'm in a good place. Okay, that's good. It like, always worries I'm, me though, because usually I show up freaking out, yeah, and by the end yeah. I'm okay. I'm going in okay. Is something terrible going to happen? I shouldn't say that, but yeah, no. This is I, this is going to be a good year because there are so many people I know who didn't come last year. Just in my gaming group, they're coming back. So because last yeah. year just felt a little bit weird, a little bit off. It was. But the other this thing we year, could do, though, Con on the Cob is a different weekend. Metatopia canceled. They're not doing an event this weekend. So we kind of have our weekend clear yeah. from those other events that often we have to, like, you know, share player base with, too. So, like, everything's coming up Millhouse right now. Like, we should be in a great place. And I'm just excited to keep spreading the word. The gospel yeah, of the Catacon. It's going to be good. This will be the first. My brother came to the very first the Catacon in the woods. In the woods with me and he didn't he hasn't come to bend to any other catacombs oh i guess he didn't have stuff oh okay i know but he just doesn't know he's not dedicated enough he's not dedicated enough but he's coming this year nice and then my other brother is also coming so it's gonna i am gonna have both my brothers there and you are gonna be if you see them walking around you're gonna be very confused (laughs) because especially one of my brothers sounds identical to me 
like if he you were to put a mic on him and just record him you'd think it's me so it's it, it confuses people we should so get like a conspiracy theory started that like yeah like we've replaced tom with a different voice but it's well he, he's a ginger so oh. i don't want to you know mm, right. yeah so we could use him for audio podcast but not for yeah. visual yeah okay. nothing else okay all right, <laughs> all right. oh so anyway that's the catacomb style all righty. And again, the best thing is after three more weeks, you don't have to hear me talk about it again for like six months, but then it'll be Action 12 Cinema all over again. So just get ready for it. All right. Sweet. So okay. let's jump into the uh, the news stuff. So Tom, you always like to take a look. You're you're all about the spicy hot takes when it comes to yeah. D&D. D&D 1, everybody's talking about it. So D&D 1, what's, what's your okay. thoughts about this? So the D&D 1, the only thing I wanted to kind of talk about this was that... Um, we talked about it last time. They've released more content, uh, but the thing I wanted to talk about is the fact that the playtest is bigger with, after two playtest drops than the entirety of D&D Next. You mean like, as far as like number of players? Oh, okay, player base, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes the, sense though, because D&D is bigger now than it's ever been. So yeah. the time between D&D Next and now, the player base is like, tripled or something yeah it's huge but anyway that's still the only thing i want to say is that's still going on they released some new stuff um people are very confused by a lot of it um because i think this is we're going to be talking about this people don't know what the design goal is of dnd one or one dnd um they don't know if it's just adding stuff to 5e is a revamp of 5e is it something new um so yeah, it's just there's been a lot of conversation on Twitter. Is people are like, what is this? Why make this other than to make money? And so I don't know if there is a reason yet. I mean, that is a valid reason. I know it's some somewhat, you know, yeah. not not supposed to say that, but Hasbro's a company that wants to make money and that they have the right to yeah. try. Watsy is also a completely different company than it was you know, whatever, seven years ago because of Hasbro saw the revenue that they were pulling in. And yes, a lot of that was from Magic, but what they did see was the large number of people. And whenever you have a huge group of people participating in something, that is, that's massive. I mean, companies want that. They see that and they're like, oh, we have this many active consumers of our product. That is so many people that we can sell to or even just sell the, that consumer base to somebody else if they were to sell the license at some right. point. So the, it's incredible. Hasbro is recognizing this. Um, and they're, they've hired some several new executives, different things like that. So anyway, that's the that's not the end of the D&D news, unfortunately. Um, the other big thing is Hasbro is making a documentary mm -hmm. about D&D starring Joe Mag... I don't know how to say Magna his last name. Magnello? Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Flash Thompson, Flash Thompson from, from Spider-Man. Spider yep. Yeah. Um, He's also and... in True Blood, I think. He's married to Sosha Faraga. Faraga. I, I, yeah, I did love how, like, um, yeah, I know. It's it's funny. Um, but anyway, they're making a documentary. And there is nothing more rich than somebody making a documentary about themselves. It's just... Well, who better to know. tell the story? They... Oh, my word. I know it's if you do it's a giant commercial then it's yeah. kind of why like 
I don't know, doc, I love documentaries because I love them for like their investigative quality. Um, they're just like when a director or a documentarian has this like, I really want to know more about this. And then they just investigate it and research it. Whereas when you have somebody who is like, and you're always trying to t- tell a story and give a perspective in a documentary. And I just don't know how this is going to play out because there are, especially in D&D's past, it's an interesting story, but there is a lot of problematic elements from D&D. We all know this. So I'm just curious to see how they touch on them. So if they throw Gary Gygax under the bus, you know, we'll see. I don't know. Um, Just something interesting. I mean, I will probably, you know, you know what? I probably Depends on which streaming service it pops up on. Right. I may watch it. It may be like a Hasbro Pulse thing. Like you have to like, you know, pay five dollars. Nobody would watch that. If they did that, nobody would watch that. All right. Um, that's that. The other big piece of news, the stuff that I'm actually excited about, which is there's an Assassin's Creed RPG coming. Hey, out. it's called D D. You it's called D D. No, 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 no. no, don't talk. No, Michael. D D is not is bad stealth rolls. It's, it's not what I want. There's You can't kill somebody in one shot. Like You can't do that. Well, the DM can do whatever they want. They could. All right. But typically, I scoff at any <sighs> licensed RPGs. Okay? I just, you know, it's so... It's Good heavens. Say. It's, yeah, it's nobody wants to play them. All right? They're usually cheap, you know, money-making schemes. And this is probably a cheap money-making <sighs> scheme, too. But, but what this has, it has Francesco... Nepotello attached to it. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. I'm calling him a friend because we interviewed him one time and he said he would come back on. So I'm going to be reaching out to see if he wants to come on and talk about the Assassin's Creed RPG. Uh, He is the designer of the One Ring RPG. So the original first edition and this new second edition with Free League. Okay. He also did the Dune RPG as well. So I don't know if you knew that. So, um, yeah, so he worked with Modifius or whatever on that. Um, so, uh, and oh, the other thing, it's being made by Cool Mini or not. That's the part that gives me pause. It's weird. I think it's, I don't know, like I am not big into miniatures, but there's obviously going to be a miniatures element, which I don't know how that would work with Assassin's Creed, but Cool Mini or not does good Kickstarters. They make good product. And so I think it's interesting too, because the way that they're advertising it, it's not just like, oh, we're making an Assassin's Creed RPG. They're centering it around Francesco. So they were like, so they were really about the, with their board games and stuff, usually it's like, here's a new board game. They don't talk about like who's making it, different things like that. Um, You kind of have to dig for that information, but they were very much like, this is being designed by Francesco. And so it's like, so that just tells me that, hey, maybe they're kind of putting a little bit more thought into this. I don't know. Skeptical, but I really like Francesco. Um, the One Ring is a very complicated game I'm finding out. So I think that he knows how to make good mechanics. Uh, also, I love the Assassin's Creed franchise. Mm, okay. Okay. So it's super edgy. I'm actually playing through... Um, Assassin's Creed Origins right now to prepare myself for Mirage coming up soon. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, yeah, another licensed game. I am so hypocritical about them. Like I am 
Like I will bash a licensed game if I don't like the company making it or the IP. But you know what? If it's an IP I like or a company I like, you know what? I may go to bat for you. Yeah. We'll just have to wait and see, you know, where, where the rubber meets the road, how, to, how it actually plays out. You know, I've backed several cool mini or not uh, Kickstarters. Generally, they're very well ran, but they're also very well ran. Like they are designed to make money. And uh, we will see. I, I did that Marvel Zombie Side game at a really dumb level. So very excited to get that. I love Zombie Side. Well, t- so it turns out there's actually a version you can get on Amazon. I already did. So we have a copy for a Catacon. There's a stripped down, like, intro version that's only got like eight minis and the rest are like standees but there's a version of marvel zombie side that i have now that i will be bringing to a catacon i love zombie side as well i don't it's one of the games i don't know why i don't play it more i should now that it's marvel i probably will the boys will be into it the wife actually likes zombie stuff so it's a game that will probably get a lot of play at my house so i'm you know i think they have the the kickstarter experience the mini experience that if this is a good marriage between Francesco, he's running the design and they are just like helping the creation of the yeah. components. That could be an amazing game, but I am skeptical. I'll, I'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. I don't think Cool Many or Not's done an RPG. I think they did something with the zombie side stuff, but I don't think it was anything big. Well, but... the last example we have is that Batman RPG, which... Was well, a, they didn't do that. Does, no, they didn't. But this was a company that has a history of running Kickstarters very successfully based on minis, then doing an RPG. Yeah, I backed that game. Which was a like a an add-on. It's like, hey, yeah, we're gonna it like goofy. it was it was dumb. You have the license to a Batman RPG. That is a minimum million. five million dollar. Yeah. That's I mean, I love Avatar, the the show, the kid show, but you can't tell me there's not more Batman fans than there are Avatar fans, and that Kickstarter made like three and a half million dollars. There's no way that should be less than like a five million dollar Kickstarter, and I think it got maybe one, and that was not even the focus. It made no sense. Yeah, so this will be interesting. Um, like I said, 2023 is the year of licensed RPGs, so we shall see. We shall. Okay, see. that's the news. That's the news. Okay. Uh, let's, the next sec- segment is talking about our games. Um, something we've been doing, uh, something, you know, kind of brief. So we'll each take a minute or two, you know, talk about what we've been playing, you know, since we do play games. We do actually know? play games. Yeah. Um, so the problem with me is that I'm running that game for my friends, but we're, we're only playing like once a month. So I don't have new stuff to talk about with it other than we have scheduled our next session for that game with my friends which i'm very excited about i mentioned last time i'm running a slightly modified version of keep on the Shadowfell, which is one of the 4e like key releases which i think is a fab- fabulous module very dungeon crawl heavy but it works for this group but i'm starting tomorrow i'm running a, a new campaign for my kids and one of their school friends so we're okay. going to be doing a weekly or maybe bi-weekly because it's just busy season um, with them. So we are going to basically, I'm going to create their characters today. Jacob wants to be a half-orc warlock. John prove. And, his br- and his friend want to be barbarian brothers, but they're going to have different ancestries. So they're like step bros. Um, well, so one's going to be a, a half-elf barbarian. The other is a dragonborn barbarian, but they are, they are brothers in the game. And um, basically, 
this is, I ran a one shot for him when he spent the night with my kids, you know, like a month ago. I think I talked about it then. He loved it. He's been wanting to play. It's just been a hard time because my kids are in so many activities. It's just hard to keep things organized and everything. Uh, but we've kind of worked it out. So tomorrow we're going to play the first session and I'm actually going to run a modified version of Keep on the Shadowfell just because I've already done all of that prep for the other game. Um, so this is just going to give me something to get them going for a little while. And then I'll probably branch off after that. All right. Isn't there, all right, I don't know a whole lot about wrestling, but isn't there like some like, like brothers of like muscle or something like that? Like, I'm just like imagining like two barbarian brothers, like that would be so well, much There's fun. literally a, a barbarian brothers back in like the eighties. They were in like three movies together. They were like bodybuilders oh, called the barbarian that's what I'm brothers. Talking about. Yeah. That would be awesome like i'm just thinking about you know like double dragons you know just something yeah i was in the i was into wrestling for like six months in the 80s but i have not touched it since so i don't know but i'm sure yeah then there used to be like hawk and doom they were like like those like raider fan football fans they had like the shoulder pads with the spikes Mm -hmm. and the mad max mad max stuff but i'm sure we can find some sort of analogy but but yeah i'm excited to get started playing with them um we we played through jacob's oh that's what i want to talk about so John ran a session. He ran that Pathfinder beginning beginner box. Pretty good. Jacob ran a first session of a 5e homebrew. Actually really good. Like we, I kind of mentioned before that I thought he did a better job than John did. And he just made up everything on his own. So we played the second session. It's terrible. It was uh. because he wanted to play, but he didn't actually do any prep. And then he tried, Classic. To, he, then he tried to like basically make up a riddle on the spot. And if you've ever seen a 10 year old try to make up a riddle on the spot, it did not go well. Then he tried to set up like a puzzle on the spot, did not work at, at all. And then we did our final boss battle or, or mid boss battle. Cause he actually said there's one more session now. And it was a good setup. It was very much like a video game. We had one main boss who we were trying to fight but they were surrounded on these pillars by like 10. They were basically like working like batteries and he was drawing power from them and casting these like overcharged spells. We could not hit him until we took out all 10 of the batteries. Classic video game setup. I, I definitely approved. The problem is he, you put them up on these pedestals. None of us had ranged weapons. So we had to start fudging the rules to let us throw weapons that are melee mm, yeah. to make it work. And then he tried to like put us in webs, but then we couldn't get to the weapons and he realized what he did. So he, he basically, he, he made a cool encounter that was not designed well for the players. And then he had to massage it to make it so we just didn't die immediately. But it was so obvious that he was massaging it, that it took out all the stakes and it just became a, we're just going to keep rolling until we get the right numbers. And it was awful. So I pulled him into, yeah, so after the game, I pulled him in, said, I love what you were trying to do. Like, that was a good thing. This was a good thing. That was a good thing. The execution is where you, you could have done better. Gave him some tips, slapped him on the butt, sent him back out into the game. We're going to try the third session. So, I mean, he still probably did a better job than I did at his age, but compared to the first game he ran, it it was a huge drop. Also, shout out to Foxblade. Just subscribe. Woohoo! Prime. Way to go. Okay. Uh, all right. So, the my games. Yep. All right. We are back to Forbidden Lands. Okay. Okay. So the campaign did not die. We were we didn't play it for like six weeks, but we got back to it, and it was a little rough. Are these lands okay. still forbidden? They're definitely forbidden. Okay. Okay. I. 
there was so much i was super excited to play all right i was i was very excited i did so much prep for the game too which wound up being a problem. I re- I remembered now why I don't prep a whole lot. So unlike John, I do have like intent of where the session's going to go and different things. Um, but like for Forbidden Lands, I try not to prep too much because I have really good role players in my game and they can kind of drive that story. I prepped a lot and we obviously did not do what I prepped for and it went way off the rails and mm-hmm. everything. So Classic. I wound up rushing because I wa- wanted to get to a combat. Because I mm-hmm. love doing combat in Forbidden Lands. And the session felt really rushed at the end. And they wound up, you know, finishing it out and everything. And it was it was fun, but I was like, oh, that could have been way better. Um, but then my players, they text me later and they're like, dude, that was sick. I love that. Um, so I was like, okay. I think they just liked it because I let them kill the <laughs> uh, the the big bad super easily. Mm. But they're still like, they are still, after playing this game for like a year and a half, they're still in that D mindset where all like a big bad guy takes a lot to kill but in forbidden lands it's very clear humans are just humans like yeah they just die like everyone else so even though it's a big bad evil guy it's still just a dude in a suit of armor and so they just like mowed him down um so uh but it's good to be back um i'm excited my neighbor is now in my campaign nice like how cool is that like talk about hitting the neighbor lottery Mm -hmm. where they they pass the vibe check so I, well that you're like, hey, you should be in my regular RPG game. So it's a lot of fun. I so. mean, that's like there should be like on real estate apps, like when you're looking for features, oh, that yeah. should be a hobbies of neighbor. Hobbies of neighbor. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, the other thing is I'm gonna be running a one shot at my friendly local game store, Woodburn Games in Woodburn Cincinnati. Games. Great yeah. game store. Great game store so clean so bright well organized um they have exposed brick on the wall so you know if you're kind of like you're into cool you know game stores it's cool yeah. right, call so cthulhu anyway. perfect call cthulhu. Yeah, yeah. yeah all right so uh history i used to run the one shot nights there monthly so every month we would do a one shot night it was an awesome event Lots of game masters, always a bunch of really diverse games, super cool, packed house every time. Lots of fun. COVID hit, and obviously that went away. Um, and then when COVID was over, I just didn't have the mental bandwidth to start organizing another event. Yep. And they said, hey, these were so great. What we're going to do is we're going to take your structure and what you did it, and we're just going to run it how you used to run it, where you would have like different games, GM submit events, people show up and they just play in the games um, and kept that core DNA. And they're like, are you cool with that? I was like, yeah, yeah just do it. Matter of fact, I will run a game for you. <laughs> so I'm going to be running a game. I'm running Simbrum. I'm like, I just don't have time to organize this. But if you guys want to do this, I will yeah. totally show up and run a game so I can play all these games that I've been kickstarting, yep. you know? So that's this upcoming Tuesday. So if you're in Cincinnati and you want to come play, it's just you show up, grab a seat, and there's no fee, play. right? Like there's no there is a five dollar fee, five dollar okay. table fee. Um, but here's the cool thing that they're doing. They are then giving that money to the game master. Oh, nice. As a gift card to the store. So that's like so basically they want to do that in order to um basically make sure that people are committed to the right. game and everything, but they don't get any of that money. Like it just goes right to the game master. So it's like, 
I mean, I'm like, dude, that's they're like, do you think this is fair? I was like, dude, that is more than fair as far as that's super cool. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so yeah, excited to see it again. Woodburn Games was very good to us. Again, definitely was a lot of a catacon promotion going on back in the day. Yeah. So uh, hopefully you can spread the word uh, this week as well. I got signs up there and I'm going to be dropping business cards off there. And I'm going to be going to every table and saying, hey, have you heard about this convention mm-hmm. Dayton? So nice. anyway, it should be cool. Yeah. And so I, anyway, I talked to actually, uh, they're going to post something on their Facebook for us as well. So Sweet. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway. All right. So with that out of the way, do you want to do the giveaway now or do you want to do that at the end? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do the giveaway in the middle. All right. So we have been promising to give this book away for, I want to say close to a year now. A year. Yeah, probably a year. Yeah. Because we, we, you know, we, again, we're trying to like drive um, connectivity and engagement. We're like, you know, let's let's do a follower count giveaway, not a subscriber count, just a follower count. And I think at the time we had just hit 500. We got yeah. to 500 pretty quick. Let's, say, let's do 600. And then yep. like a year later, we were still trying to get to 600. Uh, and then just the, like a month ago, we had a pretty big event. Caleb ran a, a charity game and we brought in a whole bunch of new followers. So that got us over the hump. We're now at like 620. So we'll probably do another one of these like 750. So, you know, 2025. Um, but we are giving away the alt cover version of the Van Richten's Guide, which at the time we announced it was like the newest one. But uh, this is like, you know, 60 bucks retail. A lot of the times these go for more um, because they are limited edition. So you go on eBay, some of these go for higher. Um, so anybody who follows us just before we went live, I, I pulled the numbers. If you were a subscriber, then I actually tripled your entry. So everybody who subscribed had three Whoa. entries. Everyone else was one. Uh, we had a total list of 641 followers at the time. I did the very scientific method of saying, Hey Val, this is my wife, pick a number between one and 641. She chose 222. And that fell on our follower, John Passionly Nerdly, who actually runs the Rook and Rasp channel themselves. So, John, you will get this copy of the bent. I know that you happen to be coming to a catacomb. I promise this was not set up ahead of time. So I will hand deliver it to you then, sir. That's awesome. I also, I think I've said this multiple times, that to date is my favorite 5e book, Van Richten's Guide. It's like, it's S tier. It's wow. so good. Well, hopefully they will enjoy it as well. And if not, they'll be of Catacomb. Maybe they'll give it away to somebody there. We'll see. So there for, you go. perhaps it'll be the, the, the traveling pants of con books. All right. So with that out of the way, we didn't have a chance. Normally the way these faculty meetings have been working recently is Tom is going back and re-listening to some of the original faculty meetings. Because again, we've been doing this for like 10 years, 11 years. And to see if you know, what we talked about then, what was top of mind, did I have any opinions or advice I shared? Has that changed that kind of thing? Did not have a chance to do it this time, but I had a topic that I wanted to, to talk about. I don't know how long this is going to take, but I have recently joined the TikTok world as a follower. I'm not yet creating content. I am thinking about it, though. And I've been seeing a lot of comments about D&D, and it's the same stuff you see on Twitter that, you know, some people love D&D. It's the best game ever. ever. Some people hate D&D. They think, you know, people should not play it. They should play other games, all that kind of stuff. But I, I fell into a bit of a rabbit hole where I kept seeing videos from different creators about that D&D is poorly designed. And specifically, <laughs> and specifically, the reason that they keep citing is that so much of the rules comes down to, well, the DM can do what they want. You know, it's not clear because that table may do it differently than this other table. And I just want to at least throw out this as a thought experiment. What if? 
That is actually in a sign of great design. So what I mean by that is this. So I grew up studying martial arts. I was a really chubby kid. I got into martial arts, definitely helped me out. This was before MMA. I'm sure when I got wrecked on the street, but it was good for my confidence, right? And you may have heard some of these stories about the way traditional martial arts were taught, but a large portion of what I went through my instruction was what was called kata or forms. And are you, do you study any martial arts at all, Tom? No, but I know about katas due to sword katas. Okay. So, so basically the way the concept works is you would learn these pre-programmed sorts of moves. So you would, you know, you would practice step punch, step punch, block turn, and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, as you progressed in belts, you would learn more and more and more of them. Well, what happens if you actually get really good at it? And I'm not going to say I was, but I got pretty good at it. Is that you learn that every move within inside that martial art is hidden inside of these katas. And so while you're learning to step and keep your balance and breathe, you're also learning how to punch. But there are these micro movements that happen in the transitions and in some of the moves that you do that you're later, you're like, oh, well, like when I did this, that's actually this other thing. This is, it's a completely different technique or move. It's very advanced. And so a lot of the ways that you would advance in, in your ability as a martial artist in these traditional Okinawan hard styles is you would practice these katas over and over and over. And at some point you would go, okay, I, I get it. I've actually been doing advanced stuff this entire time, but I didn't realize it until now. And now that I realize that I can redo these forms and go, oh, I'm now seeing the secret sauce. It's like seeing the matrix or seeing the glow. It's like, it's just a turning point. And I'm sure you, you may have also heard, there's like this stories about, uh, you know, a student wanting to say, you know, sensei, when may I learn to use this particular weapon, the, the sword or the sai or the bow? And the master would say, when you're ready. And the student would go back to practice and master, when may I learn this, this weapon, when you're ready. And eventually the student goes, I'm ready. They go pick up the sword or they pick up the bow and the master says, excellent, let's begin your training. So there becomes a level when you realize yourself that you are then ready to move on to another level. And I at least want to posit the possibility that there is intelligent design behind the way 5e works that mirrors that style of training where 5e is very rigidly structured for the basics with the full understanding and belief that once a DM has done this for a while, they're going to go, you know what? Actually, I think I would, I'd prefer non-binary skill checks. I think that would be better. And that's part of the natural progression they assume you will take. So all the things that lock 5e into its rigidness are just the safety belts the bumpers on the rails of the bowling alley to make sure that when you start, you can at least hit the pins. But once you get to the point where you can get strikes on your own, I'm mixing metaphors like crazy now, then you can lower those away and go, this whole book is nothing but guidelines. And that's what it's supposed to do. Wow. You give them way too much credit. All right. <laughs> that was it. Okay. I see what you're saying that the guidelines then allow you to become a better dungeon master um, and be able to run the game better. But I would say if you're looking at it that way, really what's making you run the game better is really not how much you've, it's how your experience. 
So it's not really the, I would say the design, it's really just the more you play, the better you're going to be. I think a good design would be like the less you play, the better you're going to be. I think the actual, I think that's a weakness of 5e. The whole idea of like just being very much, you know, it's rigid, but the writing and the the feel of the game is very much, oh, you don't, you can ignore this if you want. I think that's its weakness because I think that 5e is strongest when you're playing it rules as written. So you think about it, every class, all right, is basically structured around combat, all right? Those are the, 5e is a combat game. And I think some of the most fun you have in the game is when you're doing the combat. It's, I mean, I, I like, I'm a hater all the time, <laughs> right. but there's a lot of people who will just bash D&D like nonstop for everything. I still think that D&D does combat better than like almost all of the games. Like it just does. It feels fun. And so I think when you start to go off the rails and not stick within what it is, I think you're missing out. See, again, my disagreement here, maybe tie it to cooking. I know your wife is uh, is a trained chef. Once you know the rules of cooking, you know, fats, acids, heat, that kind of thing, you can then experiment and do your own thing. And in your case, your wife, I'm sure she cooks meals her way for your family based on your preferences. Now, is that a weakness in her training? Was, was she, if she does, if she varies from the recipes as she was taught or she reads in a book, does that make her a poor chef or a better chef? She knows the rules. She knows how to adjust them for her specific audience. And I think they know that D&D, every table is going to end up being its own version of the game based on the dungeon master who's running it and the player preferences of those around them. So I think it's designed to say, start here, but you're eventually going to go well beyond this book. And we know that. So we're not going to try to write a thousand different versions of how you might do things. Say, this is how you start, but then you figure it out on your own. I still think that's actually a very smart way to design something. And I think it actually excels at doing it that way. I don't know if it, yeah. I mean, I don't know if the book itself excels at it. I think the community has given a premise and has expectations that D&D can be run however you want it to be run. And I think that's what makes it. So now everybody sits down at the table. They just have this understanding that the game can be whatever you want it to be. I don't think that was intentional. I just think that everybody's playing it how they want to play it. But again, to me, that, that shows that it works because so many of these DMs have gotten to that level and they're now saying, hey, I got here. I understand the secret sauce. Let me help you. Yeah. Again, that's that's how basically any skill base works. Those that excel usually end up teaching or they you know blaze new trails and other people like try to copy them. I think that again, I think that supports my thesis that so many people have seen the code, they know how it works, and they want to help other people get there faster or maybe even to excel them. Again, very much that what martial arts works. When I was in classes, some of the you know upper levels, not black belts, but brown belts, they would say, I I'd like you. Let me help you get to where I am or, you know, your fighting style was similar or, you know, 
I don't say clicky because it wasn't that way, but there were definitely upper level students who chose lower students to support and mentor and teach. And I just think that because of social media, that mentorship has grown out of the library clubs or the church youth groups or whatever to a global scale where people are on TikTok spouting just straight truth about how to run games amazingly, helping people who maybe are maybe too young in the in the world to quite grasp it. But I, to me, that all just fits my idea of this is actually done well intentionally. Now, maybe it wasn't started that way, but I think people have realized it and now they're feeding into the machine. Yeah. So I think that I think when you and I want to take this conversation over to one D&D because okay. it's the new thing coming out. Yep. I think that Wizards recognizes that one of the whether you believe it or not, they believe the strength to their game is its versatility or not necessarily even, I wouldn't even call it versatility. I would say it, it is the illusion of versatility. We all think D&D is a versatile game, but it really isn't. It's all just kind of us playing pretend with our friends. Yeah. The rules itself are not versatile. All right. The, I think what they're going to wind up doing is I think they're going to swing too far over. And I think they will be intentional about it being a game that you can do anything with. And I think that's going to hurt them. I, because I see so many people now who have, I think it's, it's taken so many years, but people who have just played D and D are now playing other games of their own volition. So it's not like them going and playing a game because their dungeon master has said, this is a cool game. I would like to run. I'm seeing players pick up other games because they want to, they want a different, they want a very honed in experience. So what I hope is that what, with one D and D what they see instead is that what we need to do is we can give everybody the experience, all these various experiences, but just look at all the classes. They are centered around combat. If they could figure out a way to take the, how combat works. If you were to put say this, this bucket, this is how combat works. Let's have our social you know, situations in game. Let's apply the combat system to that. Let's apply the combat system over to exploration and like make it a more robust system. I think that would then, I think I would personally, think that's really cool. I, I just think about, I always go back to this. I just think it's, I always go back to the encumbrance rules. Um, In the player's handbook, it talks about here's how you come up with your encumbrance rules. This is how much you can carry. And then it literally in the text, it's like, uh, yeah, but don't worry about that because nope, usually no people don't care about it. Yeah. But I would say that make people care about it. Like one of the best things about Forbidden Lands is the encumbrance rules. Yeah. It's something cool. It's like, oh, I got to make sure I'm carrying enough stuff. If you put a shine a light and focus in on like, here are these cool things that you can care about. And look, we've made cool mechanics for them. Like, I think people would use them. I think you would get rid of this whole idea of like people just hand waving stuff in 5e if like you give you give them some sort of structure. Right. But for it, these and, it, and I'm not saying DD is like the best game or that it, it actually does provide every type of experience any player would ever want. That's absolutely not true. But what it does provide, it does exceptionally, like I said, like combat. Like if you're looking for a high fantasy type of game with very heroic characters then I think it might be the best thing going. 
And that's why I think encumbrance doesn't matter in 5e because that's like, if I want to play a game where encumbrance matters, I'll play Forbidden Lands. But if I want to play D&D, then I don't want to play a game where encumbrance matters. Those are different types of games for me. And not saying you couldn't make it work, but I don't think that's what it does very well. Yeah. But I mean, and again, we're jumping topics now, but I mean, you could very easily, I feel like, just mock up a combat style progression for all the different pillars and implement it with, okay, so you're, so what's, what are we trying to do? We're trying to negotiate a peace treaty with Star Wars for some reason. And I'm going to say that the difficulty level to, to make progress is a 15. So the armor class of this social conflict is a 15 and it has a hundred hit points. And then you as a bard has a skill that's like yeah. negotiation plus five to your charisma roll. And it becomes an attack roll. I rolled, I rolled yeah. well, I take seven points off that hundred. And then you sort of like give a little scene, like, what did you do? How did that work? You know, I made an ally yeah. and then everybody has social abilities and everybody has exploration abilities. Same thing. Like oh, you want to find the lost mind of whatever. Okay. That's a DC 13 or DC 18. And it's going to take a hundred hit points. And I have the ranger has exploration abilities and they roll a die. And it's like, okay, I've, I've got us partway there. You could easily make that happen. Why don't we? Because we're not Watsy. Like they should, we don't, I'm, we don't need to fix their game. Like that's the whole thing. What I'm saying is I, this is why I don't think 5e was all of it was designed incredibly well. I think they designed combat. Great. Like that's good, but as a whole, you shouldn't have to fix other people's games. Like again, I don't think it's fixing though. I think it's elevating. That that's the core difference. Is oh, I don't think it's fixing to no, say dude, you got to like, do this differently. I think it's you have got the you've got the great basis here, but you're going to create a game that's better for your players than we ever could. So we're not going to try. We're giving you the ingredients, but you're going to cook the meal. And I yeah, think they're but, I think they're the hello fresh of RPGs. They're giving me great ingredients. They should sponsor us, but they don't. But I'm still the one that's gonna cook it and be like, you know what? I want two extra cloves of garlic. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying, but it's they they lean on we we give them our I don't money. Think it was we give them our money. Yeah, I don't think it was intentional that they did it this way. I think that they did their play test. I think now they are definitely going to go this way. And I think they will be intentional trying to make this a game for all people kind of like, you know, you can do anything with it. And I hope that they don't lose sight of what the actual good parts of five E. And I know this will be a different process, but I will say that when the D and D next play test was coming out, they presented some radical ideas and some I really liked. And then when D and D five, E came out, almost none of those made it, or they didn't make it initially. They made it in watered down version. So every time I see a TikTok where someone's like, I can't believe they've destroyed the martial character. I'm like, this isn't probably what it's going to look like. Why are you reacting? Like they've, this is the final cut. It's like when you react to a early CGI of, of a character and you're like, this looks terrible. That's not what it's going to look like. Calm the F down. Like, you know, share your opinions that this isn't what I like, but you don't have to be like, I guess that's why people get views and I don't, cause I don't do stupid stuff like that, but it's not all fire and brimstone. Just, you know, share your opinions through the surveys, yeah. let them know, but don't assume that this version is what's actually going to be out because it's probably not. Yeah. I don't necessarily have like 
an opinion about what they're doing right now with one D and D, but what I do wish they would do is tell people what they're trying to do. Like, what is the end goal? Like what is their design intent? And this what, what is the problem what, they're trying to solve? We don't exactly, know exactly. Exactly. What are they trying to do? Are they trying to make a game? Like if they come out and say, we are trying to make a game that can be like if five E like if the design intent for five E they said, we want to make a game that you can do anything with. I could say, okay, that's not a good idea because that's not what this game is for. Yeah, well, I think that's what everybody plays. What you play, how we can do anything kind of with it. Really, we can play whatever I, game we I want. I can, but I don't yeah. think it's the best version of that. Exactly, but I would, I would be almost inclined to say, like, if they said that was their design intent, and then the, everybody is playing it like that, I would say, okay, you accomplished what you set out to do, and I would say, as a I as a systems engineer, I would say you get a gold star. <laughs> and um, so I, I hope that soon that they come out and say the design intent for D&D one is this. And then that gives us a standard. That's what, then we can really look yeah. like at the game and say, oh, this is what you want with it. Um, but yeah, just being very loosey goosey and releasing obscure documents. And I don't know. We shall see. We shall see. All right. Um, so thank you everybody yeah. for putting up with my uh, my my stance here. I only half believe what I was saying, but I thought I wanted to at least throw something back because I just saw way too many videos that I thought were were dumb. But before we go, we like to take a moment, take a look at a couple of questions people have yeah. sent in. Uh, we sent it out kind of late. But we did get a couple of questions. One from Grant, who is uh, hanging out with us right now. And Grant just wanted to know about spooky stuff. So in general, spooky stuff. Uh, anything like um, anything you do yeah. to make a game spooky? Any spooky. plans for spooky season? Yeah, no, I, I also think um, we, we also got um, an, uh, uh, salt over the shoulder. Remy, what are you talking about? Is this some, oh, that's that whole um, bad luck thing. I don't know. Um, so, oh, so Cthulhu. On Twitter, they also said it's spooky season. Any thoughts on Dread or Monster of the Week or what makes a good Halloween one-shot? So there we go. We'll kind of roll these questions in together. Um, what makes a good Halloween one-shot? Obviously, atmosphere, but atmosphere is always hard to do. Like, not everybody has the the bandwidth to set up candles and lights and music and s- smoke machines. Like, that would be awesome. But if you just want to run a spooky game for your friends, I think like the key thing is, is just telling them, just be very clear. Hey, this is a scary game that we're going to play tonight. So even though it may not feel scary, think of it as a scary game, like get into this mindset and you basically kind of hype yourself up in like a scary way. So like, if you're looking to be scared, you will be scared. So I think having that, so basically turn the lights on and say, all right, guys, everybody needs, we're going to be scared. And then you turn the lights down low and then you get into it. But I think what's key for running a scary game is just very clear with people. This is what we're doing. Yeah, humor may be in there to kind of bring levity to a dark situation. But if you want to be scared, you will be scared. Right, and That's I, my my one tip. I mean, it's setting expectations. Like, do I want to be the DM who can take you completely unaware to a place where that you're truly terrified. Yeah. But I'm probably not that guy. And you 
a person listening might be that person good on you, but I think most of us are not. So I think just setting those clear expectations of, Hey, we're going to play a scary game tonight. It's going to be a one shot. These characters probably won't survive. So just come with that intention in your head. That's what we're playing. Is it a very effective tool? It's like, you know, it's, it's like a session zero didn't take a drink for the one shot. Absolutely. I think that's important. I do think dread is an amazing uh, one shot game yeah. and I have not done it myself, but I have heard many people talk about playing dread in like a basement with the lights off and you can only use your cell phone. So as you're pulling bricks, you also Whoa. have to hold the cell phone in one hand. Um, so those are things and like, you know, some of the bricks may be turning other people's cell phones off. So you can definitely do some limited atmosphere. If you have the ability, you have a basement, you're playing in person, those types of things. Uh, but absolutely. I think dread is like the best horror one shot RPG that I've ever played. Uh, and absolutely would love to play in a game where we use our cell phones like that. The, uh, yeah, that sounds great. I dread obviously gets talked about a lot because it is very good. I think a game that doesn't get talked about enough, which is my personal favorite is Cthulhu dark. Okay. Um, it's it's not necessarily a Cthulhu game. Um, it's kind of centered around it, but it's a rules light game that just works really well. It has a spiraling madness mechanic, but it's very simple. Um, and it's just a really clever game. It's really easy to learn. So if you're like, oh, what am I going to run to scare people? Like that Cthulhu Dark is super good. Mm. Um, a game that I kind of was talking about before we started chatting michael is a game called the bureau okay it's a i haven't read it yet it's on my to read list because next not next week in two weeks we're going to be doing a halloween one shot for our regular wednesday stream and i'm thinking about running the bureau it's a liminal horror rpg so liminal is the whole idea of a space that is uneasy okay mm. and this all kind of ties back to are you familiar with the back rooms no, you're not. Okay. Michael, if you want to get lost down a rabbit hole, just Google the back rooms and it you will get sucked in. Okay. It is this whole idea of a alternate dimension of it's I I don't even know how to describe it. There are p- wikis with thousands of pages. People have made so many YouTube videos about the back rooms and somebody made an RPG about it. It's an internet creepypasta thing. Gotcha. So that blew up this year. Um, anyway, so yeah, I so, like scary games. So the other thing I'll say about like 5e, for example, I think 5e would be a good game to play like a tropey Halloween. Like you're, yes. you know, you're dealing with the tropes of a Halloween, corn maze, pumpkin heads, jack-o'-lanterns, that kind of thing. But for a horror to really work, there has to be a power imbalance. That's what horror stories are. You as a normal person dealing with or experiencing through another person, something that is uncomprehensible and just undefeatable. Like you don't win horror movies, you survive them. So it doesn't work if your character has the ability to cast delayed fireball and then teleport to the moon. It only works if you're playing you know, you could be a hero type character in 5e, but they have, the enemies have to be so high level comparatively that it's essentially the same power level as a normal person against like a poltergeist or a demon or a devil, that kind of thing. So again, as much as I love D&D, I don't think it works well for a true horror one shot, but it does work for a Halloween tropey sort of one shot. I think it could do that very well. 
uh, Grant Rec in chat. He has recommended Knife to Know You. It's on uh, good old pun there. DMs from Guild. the DMs Guild. Yeah. yeah. Grant um, was our I, DMs Guild correspondent for a very long time. So I, I always go to him for those recommendations. So there you go. All right. So the next question, Caleb, Caleb G, classic, the, the, OG, the Caleb G asked, how do you make monsters that the players have dealt with time and time again seem scary? Uh, yeah, turn them into zombies. <laughs> so if you're playing 5e, um, you just turn them into zombie creatures and make it show it's like the big bad shows up again as an undead and make the undead. I think about like intelligent undead are truly scary. Um, I think you could do a lot of cool things. I mean, there's even a zombie beholder stat block official in 5e. So turn them into zombies. Zombies is good. Give them class levels. I know that 5e doesn't have that specifically, but like in 3.5, you could do that. You could just be like, here's a goblin, and they're now a fifth level wizard goblin. So, you know, give them class levels, but just tweak them in a little bit. Just give them just enough of a difference for the players to realize, okay, we've slaughtered a thousand goblins. Why does this one have purple eyes and red fangs? That's weird. And then tie that into something with the adventure. You know, they've been in uh, something, they've been, what's what they're looking for, contaminated by something, maybe like a spectral outsider force, Cthulhu-ish sort of thing. Um, I like it where they can't be affected by anything but other than magic weapons. Again, this is sort of a 5e thing where you're like, oh, I'll, you know, shoot the goblin, arrow just goes through them and they reform like the T-1000 unless you hit them with magic. Magic weapons does the thing. Um, have them speak a language in a way that doesn't make sense for their character. So maybe like a, a lowly, low intelligence creature speaking perfect, you know, common. That Those are things that just, they're just enough of a twist of the, like the camera that you feel like this is weird. And it may not pay off, but that's that's one of the things that I would try to do is like, oh, we've, we fought these things a bunch of times. Something's different about them, the way they act, the way they talk, the way they move, or maybe the way they explode into zombie spiders after you kill them. You're muted. I am muted. I just, zombie spiders are scary. Yeah, if you have a zombie creature and they kill it and then it explodes and it just thousands of spiders run out, that's always a good thing for Halloween. So anyway, yeah, I would encourage everybody, it's Halloween season, take a break from your regular game, run a scary game, or kind of do a little one-shot within your current campaign where you're playing the same characters, but you know what? They're at a haunted house. Forget about the whole... You're the meta or the canon. Just put them in a haunted house and run a haunted house game. It's a lot of fun. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Tom, as always. Again, normally you do all the heavy lifting. This episode was a little more equal, but uh, in general, I I really appreciate all the work you do to keep these faculty meetings going. Thank you to everybody who was hanging out, uh, Foxblade and Remy and then uh, Brodabush we hanging out as well. And it looks like we had a few more people that were watching, but not commenting. Totally fine. Uh, we're going to continue to try to stream these faculty meetings. I think it adds a, a new dynamic. It also gives us more content. We're going to start streaming our TTRPG crowdfunding review shows every other Sunday. I think Catacons kind of messing things up for a couple of weeks, but we're going to get to doing those on Sundays. Um, come to a Catacon have fun with us, play games. And if you are interested in supporting us, you can subscribe here, or you can of course join the Patreon and support us there. Uh, Tom, anything else before we go? Uh, no, I have nothing. You can follow me at Bezcar Tom on Twitter for, you know, anything that I'm talking about. So and find me of course at the RPG Academy. And before we go, as always, we like to say, remember if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks. We'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.